all of these people supposedly say they believed in his name after seeing his signs, but he didn't fully entrust himself even to people who said they were his followers because he knew what was in their hearts. Our U.S. currency reads, In God We Trust. But does that work the other way around? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. The Gospel of John tells us that many believed in Jesus' name, but that He would not entrust Himself to them because He knew the heart of man. With more on this, here's David in a message called, People Make Lousy Gods. Hi everyone, Uh, before I bring you the word of the Lord that He has laid on my heart today as we continue our walk through the Gospel of John, let me make a few quick announcements. Uh, First of all, let me drive you to the website. Go to momentsofhopechurch.org and there you can find out information about Hope U, which will begin in the middle of February on a Tuesday. You'll find out all the information there. Also for Hope Teens, uh, we can't gather right now uh, for several different reasons, but there's a virtual gathering that you can find more information about by going to, again, momentsofhopechurch.org to Hope Teens, and all the information there about the virtual gathering is there. They're talking about the Gospel of John, what I'm preaching on, and it's a wonderful movement of the Lord in those teens' lives to place the Bible as the authoritative Word of God and to believe in Jesus as Lord and to stand against the craziness of this culture. So please go there as well. Uh, John Casey is continuing his men's Bible study, the CrossFit training spiritually for them on Sundays at Carmel Press from 5 to 6.30, so thankful for the ways that John exposes the Word of God to our men, so please go there uh, and continue your growth in Christ with John's great teaching. And finally, we do have a time at the River Place on a Thursday night to gather together in person. It's February the 25th at 6 o'clock, a Thursday night again, and please mark that on your calendar, our first chance to come together since Christmas Eve, and we're really looking forward to that time together. Uh, Now let's move into the Word of God, and may I ask us all to prepare our hearts through prayer. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me expose your Word well. This is your Word. And when I accepted your call into the ministry, Lord, I knew that I was to be called a minister of the Word of God. I take so seriously this call that you have placed on my life. Be with me now as I expose a few more verses from the Gospel of John, and I pray you would be pleased, Lord, as I play to an audience of one. I don't care if people aren't pleased. I care if you're not pleased, though. So, Lord, I preach to you, and I pray as I do so, the people of God and all those who are spiritual seekers as well may hear your truth and your truth alone and be brought into a either a relationship with you through faith in Jesus or a deepened relationship in you through Jesus. Be with me now. This is your word. Thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Well, we're continuing our study of the Gospel of John. Uh, If you remember last week, we saw how Jesus cleansed the temple, and it was at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, Annas was the high priest when that happened. He also cleansed the temple at the end of his ministry, three and a half years later, when Caiaphas was the high priest. Uh, It's significant because Jesus came from Cana of Galilee, then to 
Capernaum where his headquarters were and then went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover as was commanded in Deuteronomy 16, 16. There were three major feasts of the Jews in Jerusalem. Jesus, as a faithful Jew, honored each one, the highest of all the three, the Passover celebration, celebrating God's deliverance of the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity when blood was placed on their doorpost, almost identically in the sign of the cross, and the angel of death passed over the Jews who had that blood on their doorpost, and their firstborn boys lived where the Egyptian children did not. God's judgment upon that idolatrous people who kept his people in captivity. Not many people like to talk about the judgment of God upon sin, but it is an important part of the biblical message, the message of the cross and grace and the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins doesn't make any sense unless you see that God's judgment must be poured out on sin. So Jesus went to the temple, went up to the temple, the temple mount on top of a mountain for the celebration of the Passover, and he must have observed for some time what was going on, Uh, for there was the selling of oxen and all kinds of different animals for the blood sacrifices that needed to be made during the Passover, and then he saw the changing of the coins from Roman coinage, which had Caesar's imprint on it, to the temple coinage, which allowed the temple tax, which was an annual tax for all males, to be paid. And when Jesus heard all the noise and the clamor and the coins being exchanged in the court of the Gentiles, the outward court of the temple, the place where Gentiles were supposed to come and have their first experience with the one true God. For God had commanded the Jews to be a light to the nations. We saw that last week in Isaiah 49, and that the temple was built to be a place of prayer for all of the nations, a place of prayer for the Gentiles. When Jesus saw all the clamor that was keeping the Gentiles from coming to be able to worship the Lord, he sat down and made a whip. He made a whip. Now think how long it took him to make that whip. It had to have taken him 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, maybe an hour. And with each minute that passed by, his anger increased. Folks, there is such a thing as righteous anger. And it's a good thing in the sight of God. He has righteous anger against sin. So should we. And that's an okay thing to have. And Jesus' righteous anger against how the temple was being misused, raised and raised and raised with every passing minute until finally he took that whip and drove the money changers and drove those selling the animals for profiteering out of God's house. He said it was my father's house and he was really angry. And when he did that, the leaders came to him and said, by what authority do you do this? And he said, I'll do it by the authority of my tearing down this temple and then it will be raised in three days. He was not alluding to the destruction of the temple, which would take place 40 years later. The accusation against him at his trial when Caiaphas was the high priest three and a half years later was that he had said that he would tear down the temple, and he wasn't talking about this literal beautiful temple built over the centuries by different people, and especially King Herod the previous 46 years. He was talking about his earthly temple, his body that all of us have as well. And when that would be killed on the cross, Jesus said, I will raise it up in three days, and he gave us the most powerful apologetic possible to the Christian church. It's the resurrection. And as I last week said to all of you, if you doubt who Jesus is, you do a serious study of the resurrection. Look at the facts surrounding it. And if you can walk away after that serious study and say Jesus isn't God, that he's not Lord, that he wasn't raised from the dead, you're a better man than anybody else in the history of the last 2,000 years who's attempted to do as well. No one's been able to discredit the resurrection. In fact, you've got stories of 
people who were amazingly smart, lawyers and all kinds of intellect, and they tried to disprove the resurrection. And after they did the serious study, what happened? They came to faith in Jesus because they knew the resurrection is the one telltale miracle that cannot be denied by people in the world. So Jesus gave that as the illustration of his power, the proof of why he had the authority to cleanse the temple. And then we come to today's verses. In John, the second chapter, just a few verses we're going to cover today, but they are very important for all followers of Jesus to understand. Starting with John, verse 23, here are these words. Now, when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. For not only did he cleanse the temple, but evidently he taught, as rabbis did during that day, especially during the high holy seasons, but he also did miracles. And John tells us at the end of his gospel, Jesus did more miracles than are recorded in the gospel of John. He did many, many more that would overflow the number of books in all the world if all the miracles were told that Jesus did. So he did some miracles during this time period, and many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Verse 24, but Jesus on his part, listen folks, Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So so what did he know that was in man? He knew that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. He knew the teaching of Jeremiah 17, 9. It's an important verse in the Bible. Memorize it. The heart is wicked beyond all words. The human heart is selfish. Jesus knew that each one of us is motivated primarily by power, personal ambition, and or money. Those things motivate us, and they cause us to do what we do. So Jesus watched all of these people supposedly say they believed in his name after seeing his signs, but he didn't fully entrust himself even to people who said they were his followers because he knew what was in their hearts. And they may have been following him just to get another miracle done in their lives, and they weren't following him because they truly believed that he was Lord of the universe. He is warning each one of us as we decide to follow him to be careful with people-pleasing. He's telling us, I know what's in the human heart, People make lousy gods. That's a phrase my dad taught me many times. Uh, By the way, I'm starting a new blog out every day, and the purpose of these blogs now are giving you my Davidisms, as they're affectionately called. They're things I've learned from my father, from other people in my life that I've heard through the years, just little pithy sayings that help us live life well. And one of those Davidisms that's coming out soon is my dad's teaching, people make lousy gods. If you're depending upon people for your identity, for giving you everything you need, you will be sorely disappointed. Here's another Davidism that came directly from my father. He said, son, do not worry what other people think about you. Believe me, they're not thinking about you at all. They're too busy thinking about themselves. How smart is my dad? Most people are motivated in their hearts by 
selfish ambition, power, and or money. And when that's the case, they can turn against you like that. And there can even be people who say they are followers of Jesus, who believe in his name, who are in actuality faux followers of Jesus. They're pretenders. They're just using Jesus for their own personal gain. We've seen that with ministers. We've seen that with people who call themselves Christians. And folks, just because you live in a garage doesn't make you an automobile. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you say you believe in Jesus doesn't make you a follower of Jesus as well. What makes you a follower of Jesus is a dramatic heart change where you know that you are a godless, reprobate sinner. You have offended a holy God, and you deserve his judgment upon you to send you to hell. But God, the two most important words in the Bible, but God, through Jesus, intervened on our behalf and died on the cross to take the wrath of God upon himself. And then for those of us who truly believe that our sins are now upon Jesus and he was raised from the dead to prove that he's God and to prove that that sacrifice to the Father is accepted by him, those of us who believe in him now live totally and completely for Jesus. Here's one clue on how you can know if someone's a faux follower of Jesus or not. Fruit bearing. If someone says they believe in Jesus, but their life doesn't show a life of following Jesus, a life of his spiritual fruit, a life of holiness, a life of giving, a life of serving, a life of caring, and their words don't match their deeds, they're probably not a follower of Jesus. Now, what's interesting is in Matthew 13, Jesus said, there are wheats and tares sown into the kingdom. Wheat are followers of Jesus, tares are weeds. And the way you'll know the difference is by the way they bear fruit. But Jesus said, don't you try to determine which one's who. That's reserved for the angels at the judgment. I'll do that. You don't. But on the other hand, though we can't judge whether they're eternally a member of Jesus' family or not, we can look at their fruit and have some clues. And Jesus said very clearly here that if you follow me, there are going to be people who reject you, don't love you, don't care for you, and don't entrust yourselves to them. Listen to these words in Matthew 5, verse 11. Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Dear friends, if you unabashedly and totally love Jesus and you are committed to him and the truth of his word, here is some bad news for you. Expect there to be people, even some who call themselves Christians, to persecute you, to stand against you, to pursue you in negativism and say you aren't worthy to live. You don't have the right view of how to love people. And Jesus said just expect that message to come to you if you truly decide to follow me. He said because it happened to the prophets. Israel was living in all kinds of godlessness, pursuing false idols, living in gross sexual sin, not loving their neighbor well. And the prophets, that is from Isaiah through Malachi, along with Elijah and Elisha and other prophets in the Bible, continually went to the people and warned them of the judgment of God. 
They had another group of prophets who just wanted to tell them good news. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah says there are a group of prophets who just say, peace, peace, but there is no peace. It was just those who wanted to say, good news, God loves you, don't worry about it. We've got those kind of prophets today who will not look at the gross sin that's around them and just continually tell their people, oh, God loves you, don't worry about it. But the prophets who warned the people of God's judgment were constantly persecuted. And some were stoned to death. Legend has it that Isaiah was sawn in half. These prophets who preached the truth of God had people come against them and persecute them. Jesus said, as it happened to the prophets, it will happen to you as well if you stand unashamedly for me. He said in another place in John 15 that the pupil is not greater than the teacher. If it happened to me, so it will happen to you. Jesus constantly warned that there would be people who would stand against you if you stood for him, and sometimes they would even be supposed followers of Jesus. Let me turn with you to Luke, the 17th chapter, and let me read to you some verses starting with verse 22. These are powerful verses and address some of the question you may have about the second coming of Jesus. Are we living in the end times? I'm getting that question asked a lot right now, but listen to these words in Luke, the 17th chapter, starting with verse 22, and Jesus said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. So he's saying there are days in the future when my disciples are going to really want the Son of Man to come back. Some of you feel that way right now. You really would love for Jesus to come back right now and solve all the problems that are in the world and in your life. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio continuing our conversation about Davidisms. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomas Burrow and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now 
This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals were shipped to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being here today. It is wonderful being with you, Jen. Thank you for your friendship. Yes. Well, this week, we've been taking a deeper dive into phrases and statements that you call Davidisms. Can you first share about how these came about and then also speak to one of my favorites, which is presence over presence? I can, Jen. Uh, The truth is that in 40-plus years of ministry and also just living life over almost seven decades right now, (laughs) there's just a lot of information my brain has accumulated (laughs) uh, from mentors, coaches, my dad, from other people, uh, from things I've read through the years, sometimes just the Holy Spirit giving me a phrase that has helped my life. (laughs) I've learned common sense understandings of how to live life well. As I've preached about those things or spoken of them, people have affectionately nicknamed them Davidisms. (laughs) And I've had many people want me to write them down, and we've done so. Uh, If you'd like to receive them, listeners, in a written form, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org, and you can subscribe to my daily blogs. And these Davidisms will now come to you every day at 7 a.m. in the morning, from my heart to yours, free of charge, just trying to help you start your day with a moment of hope. And you ask about one that's one of my favorite favorites as well. It's entitled Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, over Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. So when people believe in Jesus, when the gospel becomes real to them, they need to understand that the gospel and faith in Jesus is much more about his presence, Mm P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, than getting presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Perhaps God's greatest gift of grace to us is Jesus' presence in our hearts. When we believe in him, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, comes and indwells our hearts. Before leaving this earth, Jesus left us with his promised peace. And his peace in John 14, 27 is something we always have when we believe in him. And it's a peace far greater than anything this world ever knows. It's a supernatural peace, one which passes all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. It lives inside of us. It's never to be taken away. And sometimes we reduce that promised peace through Jesus' presence into God just trying to give us stuff. Mm. Um, Sometimes we think that salvation is simply asking God repeatedly for presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, for earthly stuff. Mm -hmm. Our prayers are then filled with constant requests for God to give us things. He turns into a genie in a bottle. We rub his tummy and God gives us what we want. We reduce God to a slot machine where we pull the lever and God gives us what we want. But God wants us to see that his most valuable gift to us are not earthly presence, but his eternal presence. Mm -hmm. This promised presence is what brings us his peace, no matter what our circumstances may be. 
God's presence is always more valuable than earthly presence. And here's the question for all of our listeners today, Jen. Mm. Do you really believe that? Do you follow Jesus because his presence is more valuable than getting stuff from him? Now, he does want to give you things because he's a loving father, and loving fathers care for their children. But his most valuable gift to you, like your earthly fathers, is being with you, loving you, caring for you, and then supplying your every need. So make sure, folks, as you follow Jesus, you value his presence over presence. That's the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reason to follow him. Wow, that's so good. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. And God bless you all, listeners. Seek the presence of Jesus. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message on the Gospel of John is from our online worship service. And you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for God to heal us from COVID-19.